0: Father, well, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you have uh, yeah, just brought your word this morning through this singing, Lord, about your amazingness, your great, greatness, Lord God. I pray that we just get caught up in this morning. Lord, as we come around the word, uh, Father, preaching time, that you will just move on us through this, Father God, Lord, to just bring us closer to you, to draw us into your presence and into your purpose for our life in Jesus' name. Um, just got our notes here again. so... Inside, you'll see there's some questions to use either at your group or at home by yourself about um, this morning. Also, you'll notice know, under the heading it gives the website, so you can go and download the message if you want to. If it speaks to you or something that you'd like to share it with someone, feel free to do that. And also, I'll put the notes on for the last, I think, four messages on that site too. So if you go on the website, you'll see a list of different things, and on it, going has messages. Uh, Message notes. You click on that, you can go to it, and then you can click and download the documents if if you want them for anybody or anything. Or if you leave your notes and you just think, I really, really need them, uh, you can do that. So, last week, I started looking at, I I guess, um, putting some plans into your life because I because as we looked at it, Jesus had plans, God had a plan in the beginning of the world and if you actually look through the New Testament, it often says that it was his plan to reveal to us the mystery, it was his plan to um, bring the Gentiles into the fold, it was his plan that was there before the foundation of the world in Christ Jesus. So God's been a long time planning for salvation for us. It wasn't like a, a, just an afterthought, oh maybe I could do this. To think that God, before the foundation of the world, planned to send Jesus to save us. That's pretty awesome. And not only that, we we read um, the verse that talks about how God's got these plans for us you know, plans to to bless us, basically, and not not harm us. God has a plan for you. But we don't always walk into that plan, as we know, because it was God's plan that, that everyone should be saved, but not everyone is. There are people who refuse salvation. And so, too, even with us, there is that opportunity for us to miss what God has for us. Now, some of that is due to the fact that we're just not listening, but the other thing is that we hear God's voice, but we don't actually plan to carry out what He's asked us to do, or we don't really listen to what His plan is for our life. So this morning, what I wanted to do is go through, through some steps of planning and And at the end, really look at five different areas where you might think, what do I need to plan that for? Do you know that nothing happens by accident? Well, things do. (laughs) They're called accidents for a reason. They're not meant to happen. But when we want to live our life for Jesus, we have to live with purpose and we need to plan what we are doing. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean we need this grandmaster plan that we write up and and we follow it step by step and we never veer off And in fact, that would not be right. Because at times we're stepping out in faith and we hear the Holy Spirit, which is something that we're going to talk about in a few weeks' time, how do I actually hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? But we we can get so caught up in what we're doing that we forget that sometimes we need to just stop, assess our life and work out where we are. And really, the title of the message today is Life on Purpose. Living life on purpose really is what it's about. Are you living life on purpose, or are you just letting random events dictate where you're going? Letting chance, like roll of the dice, determine where you end at. Because I believe that if we are wise and we listen to God and we follow His word, that we can have this amazingly successful. Life that he's promised us, the abundant life that he's wanting to give to us. Now, just because God has good plans for us doesn't mean that we're going to walk in them, does it? We can choose. As he was with the Israelites, he gave them all these curses and blessings and he said, you choose today. Really, my plan is this, to bless you, but you might not choose to live that way. You might not choose to hand your life over to me and so you take the consequences of what you choose. And so as a person, are you living your life on purpose? Now, when I go through this, I want to put a caveat over it all because we can easily get caught up with, oh yeah, but you can't make plans because what if I want you to do this or that? Definitely. We need to submit everything to God first. And as we go through this, it will become clear that that's what it's about. We're submitting things to God, but there's a whole lot of stuff that He gives us in His Word that we are meant to live, that if we don't plan to live that way, we won't. So Proverbs 26 says this, 2 and 3, We can make our plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own lives, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to your Lord, to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. So therefore, we're looking at it, it says you can make your own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. Oh, so we shouldn't make plans. Then at the end it says, but then commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. It's not about us just wanting to do what we want in life, it's about us making a purposeful decision that I'm going to be a Christ follower and we're living that way. Um, so this week I really want to talk about the goals. In your life, are right? you setting some goals to, to walk into those plans and it's about working out how we order our life so that we can walk in to what God has for us everybody plans, don't they could you imagine uh, you're a mother and you've got three kids and you wake up in the morning and you know you've got to get them to school you are already planning, presumably And if you're not, it's chaos, right? But it's not like this matter of I'm just going to trust God and whatever God wants is going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. If you wake up and trust God, Lord, I'm just trusting you to get the kids into the car. Lord, I'm trusting you to get the kids ready. I'm trusting you to put the baby in and strap the baby in, or them to do it themselves. I don't know how it works. But everyone has plans. Because if we don't plan, we don't succeed. So the plan might be even just, I'm going to follow God and succeed in that. But every part of our life, for anything to happen needs a plan. I remember a lady that was a Christian and she was, I do know, they were pretty well off. Uh, the husband had a great job, uh, money coming in, and every time we met her, I'm believing for a house. I'm just believing God for a house. I'm believing for, him for a house. And it was like what she was actually really wanting was that someone would just give her a house. That miraculously, God would just somehow put on someone's heart to give them a house. But no planning and thought into how they would actually purchase it. With a bit of thought and plan, it would be like this you know, God, I feel this desire to, to get a house. Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm just going to believe that someone's got the house and all that. That does happen. I'll, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. But if God's putting that desire in your heart, what he wants you to do is start working out how you're going to achieve that. Is it something that God's placed in your heart? Is it a desire? because your life submitted to him? I just want that place. Then start working out how you're going to do it and let God bless the plans you're making. Start saving. Start putting aside money for a deposit. Work out how much you need. Look for a house that's within your budget and then buy it. But that's not what she was doing. She was really saying, "I just want to win the lottery. Lord, let me win the lottery." Now, listen to me. It does happen. I have a pastor friend who, um, when he was younger, he had nothing. He had absolutely nothing. He just spent everything he had, and, and he went off to Kaminau, I think it was. And there was a pastor there who said to him, "What are you going to do when you retire?" And he said, "Oh, and I'm just trusting God." <coughs> that's great, he said. But well, you need to think about stewarding what God has given you to make the most of it so that you can actually achieve something here. So he started to invest. He invested in houses and chairs and stuff like that. God blessed him through it. He was submitted to God and, and, and um, gave everything in his life to God. When he retired, he had X amount of houses. There was a missionary overseas coming back to Adelaide. And so what did he do? He said, this is for them I'm gifting it to them. So they didn't think about a plan for a house, but God a place on his heart. I'm going to give you resources so that in the end you can use them for God a godly purpose. And so he just gave them a the whole house. So it does happen. But that person who was in that mission field was seeking God first, and the resources they had and what they had wasn't enough. But God moved through someone else to provide a need, so it does happen. But if we want to have success in life, if we want to live our Christian life even successfully, we do have to have a plan. What would that plan be in what areas? Well, let's have a little look at that. Let's have a look at the steps to are planning. Firstly, a dream or, your, or a vision in your life must be translated into goals that you act on. If you don't have any idea what your vision or goal is for your life, what are you going to do? Because as I think about it, what I want to achieve gets me to ask the questions that I need to achieve them. Is that correct? Something simple. I've got to brush my teeth this morning. Get up, what do I have to do? Right, I've got to go and make sure I've got toothpaste for a start, yep, all good. Checked it, make sure I take the lid off it so I can squeeze it out, yep, got a toothbrush, yep. Bang, put on the toothbrush and brush my teeth. But until I'm going to make that decision to brush my teeth, I don't care about the rest of that stuff. It has no relevance to me, no relevance to my life because it doesn't need to happen. Now getting that dream, it is important that the vision is placed in your heart, if it's a big one, by God. We're not talking about just goals like, you know, I think this would be something that I'd love to have in my life. I'm talking about a vision that is a goal for your life that needs to be placed in your heart by God. Why? Because if we follow our human heart, the fleshly desires that we have, the visions and dreams that we have, will not be godly and therefore God cannot bless them. Make sure that the vision is placed in your heart by God. And how does that happen? Well, you have to spend time seeking. You have to give your life over to him and say, God, this is what I'm thinking. Is this right with you? So the first step to planning is to have that dream, have that vision ahead of you. If you don't spend time finding out what does God want me to do, what's the desires that he's placing in my heart, you'll just run around like a child. You'll get to the end of your life and you'll look back and you'll go, what have I actually done for God? You know, I had this sort of impression that maybe I should do this or that or the other, but without planning, without working out where I'm going, you'll never get there. If you take off in a car, you'll get somewhere, but if you've got a map and a point where you're going, you'll get to that point, and you'll plan your trip around that. Number two, get the right goals and the goals right. God has an amazing life and for you. And sometimes it just takes us to step in the general direction of where God wants us to go. How many people don't do anything? Because they're not really sure exactly what God might want them to do. They're not really exactly sure what they want to do in life. And sometimes people get paralysed by thinking, I'm just not sure where I'm going. If it's with God, I don't know if God wants me to do some ministry stuff, but You know what? Just step out in an area. You'll know soon enough whether or not God really is working in that area for you and whether he's saying, yes, go for it. But sometimes it just takes that step of faith. I want to serve God, but I'm not really sure where. I'm going to wait and pray for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, 35 years, 60 years, 80 years, and I'm dead. But I've never stepped out. I've never thought to myself, why don't I just serve God by looking in the Word of God and starting to do some of that stuff first? Start walking in the direction you're going. You cannot be led if you're not moving. And God wants us to move. But you need to have the right goals and the goals right. It means that we need to know That our life is submitted to God, first of all. Your goals can be good goals, but they can be unrighteous goals at the same time. For example, if my goal is to get a lot of money because I want to be rich and I want to hold all of it, I want to have power and influence over people with that, and I want to show off, that's not a good motive. But what if that changes? If my goal is to get this income coming in, That my goal that's been placed in my heart by God is that I'm going to grow and prosper and the reason is because I want to serve God with this finance that he's blessing me with, that I want to serve the kingdom and along with that there is the bread that I eat and that I can enjoy. That's not unbiblical. But at the same time there's that flow out. What are your motives? If you have the wrong motives, it's not going to be any good at all. And the Bible says that if we seek Him with all our heart, we will find Him. And it says that if we seek Him, He will give us the desires of our heart. Proverbs thirty-seven four says that: Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. That's how you know you're getting the right goals, and the goals right is when you're actually delighting in God. Because without Him, your desires will be coming from an evil heart; they will be coming from a wrong perspective. And it'll become fleshly desires in, in your life. But if you actually take the time to say God and a delight in you, all of a sudden things change because you have counted yourself as dead to yourself and dead to sin, but alive to Christ and alive to righteousness. Your heart becomes soft and it becomes a planting ground for the seeds of God in your life and the desires will change. Once when you desire to take, you desire to give. Once when you desire to hate, you desire to love. Once when you desire to um, be in charge, your desire will be to serve. And what will happen is the goals in your life will begin to change because your heart becomes soft towards God. Delight yourself in the Lord. Let it be God's desires that are planted in your heart, the things of the kingdom, the things of God, not of the world. Number three, think of your long-term goals first because they will determine your direction. A little bit what I talked about before. But why is this important? Because if you don't have that long-term goal or that long-term vision that's placed in your heart by God, so... So, for example, someone might be gifted in a ministry area, and they're thinking, you know, this is where I want to minister. The kids in primary school, and God starts to bless you. You've gone off to, to Cornerstone Kids, and you started teaching there, learning and growing skills, growing in wisdom. How do I do it? And God's moving you along, and then you start to become good at what you're doing. And then all of a sudden, someone says, "Hey, I've got this offer for you. Why don't you come with me and come and teach high school kids?" And then someone else says, Hey, why don't you come with me? I've got all these girls I want you to mentor. Come and mentor them. And in your heart, you're like, No, my long term desire that's placed in my heart by God is this I want to serve primary school kids. And so you don't get taken off course. You find out what your desire is, and yes, you can change. Yes, you can change. But so often, how many of you get pushed around by, by what's around you? It's like, you're going through life, you're doing what you think God wants you to do, and this other opportunity comes up. Oh, it's a ministry opportunity. Maybe it's something greater. I'll run over there. And what can happen is we can get the off our goals. But even think of your long-term goals like buying a house. Because you've got this big long-term goal, I'll buy a house. It starts to order how you discipline your life going, you know, I'm just going to buy, go out to dinner 10 times a week and buy a house. No, all of a sudden the goals that you're thinking about are determined a bit by what your vision is, your dream. And it's like, no, this is what is important. This is where I want to get. This is what I want to have in my life. And not every good opportunity is necessarily a God opportunity. Start with the end in mind. Where is it that I want to go? What is it that I want to have? Who is it that I want to be? What do I want to do for the kingdom of God? How many of you will get diverted by other things when you know that God wants you to serve in a certain area, but then this other offer comes up? And you're like, oh, I could do that. God's got you in a place where, the, where you're excited, you're growing, and God's words, you know, in your heart. And and that's one of your life goals. I just want to be in a local church that that is good for me, good for my family, where I'm growing in faith. And for 50 bucks extra a week, you go off somewhere where there's no church, no fellowship, and no other kids to, to be with your kids. Unless it's a call of God, you will get diverted because of the wrong reasons. You'll be chasing something that isn't real and isn't the desire of your heart. But if you're like, you know what, this is what I want for my family. You will make your decisions so differently. And you'll think clearly, but unless you have that in mind, you will not make good decisions. Start with the end in mind. Okay, so Psalm uh, 190 verse 105. Wait, no, this is the next one. Sorry, Proverbs 29, people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild, but where whoever obeys the law is joyful. And I'll say it in another version there, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. The other version of that says, without a vision, the people perish. Now, we'll, we'll quite often think of that in terms of a church or things like that, but you think about it, if you do not have a goal, there's nothing to guide you. That whole chapter there is actually talking about discipline in different areas. If you go and read it, it would be worthwhile reading it. But what it's saying is if you do not discipline your life, without the divine guidance, without the set goal, you're just going to go everywhere. If I don't have a heart's desire as a Christian to serve Jesus, I'm just going to do what I want. Because I'm not letting the divine law, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the word of God speak into my life and I just cast off restraint. It doesn't matter. Whatever I do, it doesn't matter. I've got no goals, I've got no future and I've got no hope. Number four, when you're setting your goals, knowing the Bible is a must, a must of daily decision-making. The word of God is called a lamp. And a light for us. In Psalm 119, it says, "A lamp for our feet, a light to our path." In Proverbs 6:23, the commandment is a lamp, land, and love. Very fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and the law, a light. I don't care who you are. You want to live this Christian life. You cannot make the excuse that of am required. In fact, if you're deciding that you're going to follow Jesus, it is immoral to not read the instructions that he left behind. When we look at the, the Great Commission, what does it say? Go into the world and make disciples. Now we can know that that's something that God's placed in our heart. We've got to make disciples. What does a disciple mean? It means someone who follows Christ. But Then the next bit's really interesting. Teaching them what? teaching him to obey all that I have commanded. (laughs) Hear that? A disciple is not someone who just accepts Jesus into their life. That is the first step. But a disciple is one who is now trained in doing all the things that Jesus commanded. What does that mean? What was all that he commanded? Well, really, I guess, you could probably boil it down to he commanded us only two things, love God and love others. That was actually what he commanded. But when you look through what he said, it's life-changing. And I don't care if you say, well, I don't read anything. You're a fool. To say that I cannot read the Bible is boring. You are wrong. The Bible is a light and a lamp, and it is life-giving, and it cuts between your soul and your spirit. It makes you see clearly. That's what light's about, isn't it? It makes you see clearly what you need to know. There is no excuse for a person who says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and not read the Bible. It's foolishness, absolute foolishness not to do it. Why? Because when you read it, you're getting God's wisdom on every area of your life. It talks about marriage, it talks about finances, it talks about jobs, it talks about bosses, it talks about slaves, it talks about how you're meant to treat people. Whatever it is in your life that you need to know, you can get it out of the Word of God. And so as you plan your life and you're making decisions, it's so clear. You don't even need to go and seek God for seven hours on your knees. The Holy Spirit, show me because you've read the Word of God and as the Word of God is needed, it's like the Holy Spirit, who is called also the reminder, He reminds us of things. He brings it up and we're like, we're in a situation like, wow. That's right. That's what the Bible said I should do. Bang, decision made. It is a necessity, necessity to make sure that you read the Word of God. Just have a little thing at the moment. I'm just going to run you through an exercise that's that's interesting to do. Imagine this. You're really, really, really old. Older than you are now. Maybe 115. (laughs) Is anyone here 115? If you are, imagine you're 170. (laughs) But imagine you're sitting down looking back over your life. Sitting on your porch or whatever you do. That's what you're meant to do, it: rocking chairs and putting in your Looking back over your life. I want you to start to think, what is it that I want to see accomplished? And I look back in my life what what I want to see. You're sitting there and you're thinking about things like, for me, I'd be, be there and i am going, you know what? My number one thing that I want to see is that my family is pumping for Jesus. I want to see my kids living for God. I want to see them in amazing marriages that are led by the Word of God. I'd love to see my grandkids there running around. I'd love to see a family, not just my family, but generationally serving God, but not just going to church but serving God. I'd love to see, you know, this legacy where I've left behind, you know, an inheritance for my grandkids. Where I've lived my life thoughtfully and carefully and, and given to good causes. I'd love to think that at the end of my life I've been a generous person. Someone who's made a plan to be generous and done it. I'd love to think that I'm leaving behind a church that just is amazing, that is relevant to the world, but not only that, it gets people saved, it's, it's the truth that comes through, that there's amazing worship, that there's people that come together, they love each other, that that the body is working really well together. Those are probably the two biggest things in my life that i love to see. What about you? Maybe it's different because God's given you a different calling. You call to business and you're thinking, I'm looking back, I just want to see that I've employed these young people, I've mentored them, I've, I've poured into their life, I've made money for the kingdom, I've, I've financed missionaries, I've done whatever it is. Looking back, you're thinking, that's what I want. Maybe you're a teacher and you're thinking, you know what, at the end of my life, I don't want to have just being this average teacher. So that everyone at my funeral going, she or he was an average teacher. <laughs> they always left on time. <laughs> but you'd be looking back and going, man, I just want to see that the kids I taught, that where I've had opportunity, I've shared the gospel with them, that I've taught them well, that I've prepared them for life, that the things that I've done have enabled them to be the best person that they're meant to be? Your mum and a dad thinking, you know, I just want my kids to love God. I want them to follow up me. That's my dream for my life when I leave, that i leaving a legacy of Christ. If you're a farmer, Man, my farm is the best kept farm. It's beautiful. I've kept my word to everybody. I've looked after my animals and treated them well, just like the Bible says. I've I've been kind to people. What is it that you think if you were sitting there whittling away, and you can't call and grandma next year, <laughs> but you're just thinking, you know what? When i leave this planet. actually really important remember a few weeks ago I, I shared a verse with you that the generous plan to be generous and they won't be diverted from that, they made their mind up to be generous, you know everything you do is a decision that you make if I plan to be generous I'm going to order my life so I can be if I plan to be someone who spends all my money I'm going to be that way I'm going to plan to spend all my money If I plan to hoard it, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plan to build more barns and hold more money, get more bank accounts, get more this but never let it go. If I plan to do that. And so as you're thinking back, what is it that you want for your life? Make intentional decisions, you'll just get caught up with whatever happens in your life. If you don't organize your schedule, someone else will organize it for you, that's guaranteed. What's important? Five areas that we could work on. Number one, faith. Obviously, God has to be first. If He's not first in your life, what is? What are your faith goals? Have you had them ever? like I remember as a young man um, sitting in church and people would be talking about this and right down the goal just sit there go home, make pray and right down the goal this is what i love to see you know I'd love to see whatever it is in your life faith no I just I plan to read the Bible more this year I plan to talk to 10 people about Jesus this year whatever it might be what are your faith goals do you even have any can I just tell you right now if you never plan to evangelise you never will but if you plan to share the good news, you're going to take steps to learn what it is that I do it. It might be, I'm just going to step out today when there's a door open and someone talks about church, I'm just going to talk about church and see what questions come, whatever it is. But if you plan to evangelise and, and share the good news of Jesus with others, you will start to look for opportunities. And that's one of the things that we can miss at times because we don't plan our life. I know for sure that when I get up in the morning and I pray, God, give me opportunity today, there's a hundred. When I don't get up and pray that and I just don't feel like it, there's zero. Does that mean one day there's a hundred people that might want to hear about Jesus and the other day there's none? I don't think so. What it has to do is with me working out what is my faith goal for the day? What is it I want to do? And it's important to do it. Write it down. Make an appointment with God. When is it that you're going to get together with Him? I'm just going to get together with God sometime. Sometime never happens. Be very intentional about the things, the faith goals. And I remember even above those things, like just the normal everyday goals that we might have as a Christian to grow in faith, because it has to be a goal, right? Well, would we want to be just where we are now in 10 years' time, wouldn't we want to be growing in faith? don't we want to be connected to Christ more? Wouldn't we want to be doing His will more and walking in His purpose? Of course we would. Because God's got this amazing life planned for us. And this is where it happens. This is where we start to grow. Where we start to move into the things that God has for us. What are your faith goals? And I actually really used to like it. You'd write down other faith goals, like I'm praying for this, I'm believing for this, and you'd write it up maybe you stick it on your fridge. This is what I'm believing for. How many of you even know what you're believing for now? What are you believing for this year? At the start of the year, what did you say? This is what I'm believing for. I'm believing for this person. I'm believing for this in my life. This is what I'm believing for. You're praying into it. You're starting to to put that vision out in front of you because you're now seeing where you want to go. Have faith, goals. It affects every area of your life, right? and it sets it up. Seek first, God's kingdom, everything else gets added. Number two, fitness. Well why is that there? If you're not healthy in body, everything else is hard, right? Now, I'm not talking about Mr. Superhuman that lives you know, a thousand kilos, takes steroids and whatever else happens with steroids, happens to your body. Well, you know, it's not about being this beautiful, and you you got to understand that that lady on the front of that magazine, she's starved herself for four days before the photo shoot. Anyway, she's been working out in the gym, and then she gets photoshopped as well. We're not talking about perfection. Are you making goals for your fitness, your health, your lifestyle? What is it that you're doing that will affect your body? How many of you know if you're if you can't run with your kids, you can't enjoy all the pleasure. <laughs> from them. I don't know, what do you mean, kids? Yeah, good point. <laughs> Tie them up, whatever. They, that's not true. I've never been there. I did do it to my sister at the plane when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone did that. When Cowboys and Indians was okay, anyway. But what are you doing? Are you planning something in your day? It might not be a weight goal, but are you planning to just eat healthy? Well, I've got to say, my mum here, With bit of a shout out to her, she's lost 10 kilos, yeah, she didn't have a goal weight as far as I know, but it was just like she cut back on sugar stuff, she started eating more healthy and it just happened, so what I'm not talking about you having to be, you know, the marathon man or woman or whatever, it's just about, am I looking after my body, am I being healthy, who can go on an overseas mission if they're sick, because they've neglected their body who can work for God to their ultimate ability if they don't think about themselves? I'm not talking about a sickness from outside, but just, are you living healthy? Are you, and remember we are three parts. Spirit, soul and body. Are you taking care of your emotions, your mental state? Are you allowing time, for peaceful times for your life? Are you allowing time to just sit and chill? Without worrying about the world and the distractions around it. And obviously we've talked about the spirit already. But it's important that you make these goals in your life, because otherwise it never happens. Me and Joe, we're not planning anything big, but we plan to go walking, and mostly we do. Most days we go walking. Why? Because it just keeps us a bit healthy, our body active and moving. Family. What are you doing for family? Are you planning time with them? What's your goal for your family? Think about it, if all my kids, to grow up loving God, what are the steps I need to take? Talked a little bit about this last week. What about your wife and husband? Husband, if you ask your wife today, would you marry me, would your wife still say yes? Why? Would your husband still ask you? what's the last And you'd still say yes, right? <laughs> when they do those proposals on a TV show, they have to say yes, and then later on they're what? They you <laughs> no, what are you doing for your family to you them? Uh, what's the goal for your family? Do you have a goal for your family? I want to get them to a reunion. I want to do this. Well, that'll affect the finances as well. Maybe we need to save. Maybe we need to make sure we've got enough money to put them through. Whatever it is. Family goals are important. Finance. This is what you should do, you should work as hard as you can, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, and give as much as you can. That was his plan. But what do you plan to do with your money? Because your money is meant to be working for you, not you working for money, right? In Australia, really, there's not much excuse for not succeeding and growing in finance, really. We're a very rich country. And, and, And you know what it's like. I've seen people complaining about how they've got no money while they're driving around in their full drive towing a big boat and living in an $800,000 house with a $600,000 mortgage and sending the kids to private school and going on holidays every year and complaining about their lack. There's no lack, except for the lack of discipline. What do I want my money used for? Do I actually really want to support the kingdom of God? Like for me, um, my decision, what I give to God. That's a decision I've made and I try to honour that every single week. This is what I want to give. But I plan it in my life. This is what I do. I plan it. And I'm getting better at it. Because I haven't always been good at planning. But if we don't look after our finances and let them work for us, we are just going to constantly be working for the man. And I've seen people that earn the same amount of money at the end of their life have such a Big, vast difference in what they've got. Why? Because the one lacks skills and now one has skills. They've listened to wisdom. And they've learned how to use their money for God. And then the last one, fun. Do you plan fun in your life? Seems like a funny one, I guess, to put in there. But seriously... Are you just spending all your life worrying about issues? Every time you see someone, all it is is about a problem, an issue, um, incessant talking about the problems. Have you actually organised some fun in your life? Have you ever laughed so much as slides? Before? I've done that. What happened to me actually, my jaw gets sore, my slide doesn't I used to get that butt to my jaw it gets really really sore and I start to cough because I don't know maybe because I haven't laughed for so long and I think deeply down there but have you laughed with your kids or is it every day just stern and horrible and hard and you've got to do this and you've got to do that but God seems to be enjoying our life as well it's not just all about sadness and hardship but plan some fun in your life Ecclesiastes five nineteen says this, and it's a good thing to receive well from God and the good help to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. Another point in Ecclesiastes, and I posted it once, but I was talking about splash on some cologne, put on some fine clothes, and go out for a good meal. That's in the Bible. <laughs> no, <it is. laughs> okay, that's a pretty awesome. Book. I like that one. But if your life's always drudgery, you're not going to be healthy in every area of your life. And so are you planning some fun for you, for your family? But again, you put everything under faith because what can happen, you've seen it many times, I'm sure. Fitness can become a God. Family can become a God. Finance can become a God. And leisure can become a God in your life. So you start to put those things above God and His presence. Every single area under faith can become a guide in life. And so people go out of kilter and it's all about how fit I am, how good I look. Like well, I say, it's all about how rich I am, how much money I am. It's all about family time. We've no, we we've got, we've got no time for God because we've got family time all the time. And fun, leisure, well, <laughs> we've got no time for God. I'm fishing every weekend and, you know... Every other weekend, and you know, go to the casino the other weekend, whatever people do. But well, they just get caught up in this life of pleasure, and it becomes their God. And the Bible clearly warns that in the last days, that's what will happen. Men will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It's the wrong way. It's not wrong to have fun and have pleasure. But what happens is that pleasure becomes the God.